Welcome back to How You Slice It podcast. Today's guest is uh, blazing a trail in the city of Minneapolis. Hosey and his best friend, Adam, have a deep appreciation for New York style pizza. They teamed up to open up their first location. It's at, in fact, the first black owned pizza shop in, uh, in Northeast uh, Minneapolis. And the name of the shop is Slice, which is how I came across your business on social media. Uh, and I will say one of my favorite things about it was just the that first physical location you have, that retail store. Yep, yep. It's like the most local, authentic spot I've ever seen. Yeah. First shop opened up just about a year ago with that walk-up window that you have and obviously your desire to share uh, your love of, of great pizza with the community. I know a handful of weeks after opening, you faced an incredible challenge where... Um, you know, your lifelong dream was uh, was nearly crushed because the shop was actually set on fire, which is yeah. just crazy to me. But I, I'd love to talk yeah. about that a little bit. And then, yeah, you know, fast forward to, to today, you and Adam have uh, overcome a lot and you've opened up a second location. Uh, you certainly have big aspirations to continue to grow. And um, yeah, this is a conversation I'm uh, I'm excited to have. So welcome. Uh, welcome to How You Slice It. Of all names, uh, how you slice yeah, it podcast for sure, for sure. Definitely got the iterations going with slice everywhere, but uh, but yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Uh, Adam couldn't be here today, kind of had some stuff going on at the shop, and you know, we had some scheduling stuff going on before, so we wanted to make sure we still made it today. So it will just be me, but uh, but yeah, even hearing the story, man, it uh, it feels good to hear, you know what I mean? I don't think we think about it in that uh, aspect a lot because we're just you know putting out fires daily and uh, trying to continue to grow the business, so we don't really get get any, we'll say, you know, macro time to look at the business and sort of the scope of things and, you know, just how we got to this point right now, uh, because, it, you know, things are just kind of moving at 90 miles an hour and we're just, uh, you know, riding the wave. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for making time. I know it's a, I know it's a chaotic environment as uh, someone that I respect a lot, you know, said, hey, small business owners are in this organized chaos environment where the house is always on fire. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about, you know, you, you know, how did you end up in this, in this business? But more importantly, when you were growing up, what, what were some of the things that inspired you? And, you know, give me a little bit more on your background. I think it's important for people to know who you are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I moved to Minneapolis from Chicago, Illinois. My family is originally born in Chicago. Uh, I was born there too, moved sort of Minneapolis, Minnesota for, you know, say greener pastures, you will we'll call it, and kind of a, uh, you know, realign the whole family here in the Minnesota area. So grew up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, graduated from St. Paul High School in the inner city. That's where I met Adam through basketball. Adam played ball, uh, was a bit better than me. And uh, <laughs> I actually went to the U University of Minnesota. I think just coming from a background, I always had an entrepreneurial background, whether it was like I used, to, I used to sell candy at school and church. I used to like make CDs in high school. You know, I'm that old. I used to burn CDs for people and like fucking sell them for like $3, $5. So just a lot of a lot of business endeavors that kind of led me even into this, you know, aspect of the business. Um, so always kind of had a, a deep want for like sort of into the food industry and always just was naturally inclined to pizza just because, you know, I ate a lot of pizza. We ordered it a lot. That was kind of like our out to eat almost, you know what I mean? Like ordering pizza was like super lit. So like just built in had a appreciation and sort of an understanding of good pizza, bad pizza, where I like it, where I don't, uh, just from growing there. Uh, that kind of evolved. And my partner, Adam, he actually worked at Papa John's 
So we get a little bit of our pizza background also, or, you know, <laughs> understanding from that. He worked at Papa John's and was a manager at Papa John's in high school. So, uh, you know, fast forward, I went to the University of Minnesota. Uh, Adam went to uh, Fresno Pacific in California because he played ball there and actually played ball a little bit professionally, uh, just like overseas. And um, sort of still moving in the entrepreneurial spirits, um, you know, Adam came back, is running a training company. I uh, actually own a screen printing company too, where we do commercial screen printing for uh, the Timberwolves, for Target Corp, uh, a lot of other large corporations. And this was sort of a pivot that we made that we always kind of, you know, thought about having a pizza shop, like having some ownership in that. And, um, you know, finally kind of had Nowhere near the means uh, that we thought we needed to open it, but had a little money to invest in was like, hey, let's go for it. Let's try to open a pizza shop. And I think us going to like this sort of New York style by the slice sort of came from my time traveling with my printing company. We spent a lot of time on the East Coast uh, because prior to opening the company, I was doing a lot in fashion and design sort of. So I was spending a lot of time in New York. Um, and on the East Coast, in that aspect, and through Adam traveling, we just kind of saw the niche that Minneapolis didn't really have any walk-up style pizzerias that are like neighborhood pizzerias or even more corporate. There's a larger one. I won't mention their name on the platform, but there's a larger one um, <laughs> here in Minnesota that kind of has the market controlled, like 100% almost. I'd say probably about 90% for walk-up places that are offered. And they have a few chains uh, that are in the area, but we didn't really see that niche. Uh, or that being filled in Minneapolis is a really growing city. Um, you know, we had a Super Bowl here a few years ago. Obviously, a lot of light has been shed on the city, but it still is a larger city with, you know, it's having population between the cities of a few million. And that isn't really offered in a lot of our walk in the area. So that's kind of the niche and sort of the background that we had coming in with pizza and just the business understanding and seeing a sort of need for that style. And you, you spoke a little bit about it, but walk me a little bit more through the process of opening up a pizza shop, your first one. And you, you, you know, you said that you didn't have a, an appreciation for how much went into opening a shop, both financially and probably just work-wise, yeah. but the barriers to entry are massive. Walk us through what you went through from, from both, again, yeah. physical work yeah. and, and financial uh, investment. Well, from both aspects, you know, when we first came in, we sort of figured out a budget around like 35K. We thought we would be in the We thought we were in the game. <laughs> and the craziest part about that is that like, you know, that was all like earned money. We didn't get any loans or anything. This is just like our own personal investments. We're just kind of going gung ho with and like going all in on and sort of coupled with that sort of not really understanding the full scope financially and what that really looks like. You know, if you have setbacks or if you have things when with building out a space was that we built out the commercial kitchen in an old office. Like it was like the our first shop, it was an old insurance office. The guy still owns it. Uh, we're trying to get the building from him, but he's uh, he's holding <laughs> on tight. But uh, he had an insurance office. Like his brother bought it in like 1950, ran it for 20 years. He took it over to about 2010-ish. And then it had been vacant for like the last four to five years. Just like he wasn't doing much with it and wasn't really interested. So he finally put it up to see. And we were already thinking of looking for a high traffic area. And it, it really lays in the area. Uh, 20 years ago, it was Northeast Minneapolis. was a little bit less built up, we'll call it. And there's been a huge commercial build out and sort of gentrification of the area where it's now got a lot of luxury buildings, a lot of high rise buildings and just a crazy amount of foot traffic. So when we say it become available, you know, we went gung ho at it. It had no kitchen in it. So we didn't really understand what that looked like taking a retail office to a commercial kitchen and how much code for, and inspectors 
have to be up your ass to get there. And it was fucking nuts, man. I'm not going to, it was the shit show of all shit shows. Like even getting to the, the finish line, I look back now, we had the jankiest contractors. We had just a shit show to get there. And coupled with that, COVID hit. So then COVID hit and everything got shut down. Some of our permits burned out. Some of our contractors kind of fell off. We had to re re kind of go back to the drawing board and almost restart from the beginning. I wouldn't say the beginning because some of the work was done, but even some of the work we had to tear down because we didn't have proper permits with some of our inspectors. Wow. I mean, with some of our contractors. So like, <laughs> like we literally went through every emotion, every part of it, almost gave up plenty of times, like almost went to a new location and just said, forget this spot. It's costing us too much money. We'd be better off just going with a spot that used to be a kitchen. And, uh, you know, but we, we were able to have perseverance and we kind of just stuck through it. You know, it ended up taking a lot longer, about two years to get it off the ground and actually opened and, you know, passed every health inspection and every code and, uh, you know, up to the standard that it needed to be. But I'm happy we stuck to it. I'll say that. I'm happy you stuck to it as well. And it, look, perseverance is, is a difficult journey when you're in the middle of it. But at the other side of it, always, always, I've learned that, it, you know, it always pays off. For sure. Do you think, like, do you think more people would open up pizzerias uh, or independent, you know, shops, whether it's a pizza shop or a bakery, whatever it may be, if the process of opening up the physical location was more turnkey, do you think, do you think you'd have like For sure. five or 10 shops? Sure. If, do you think that that is the biggest barrier to entry? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Cause looking at retrospect, there's ways to get financing too. But I think that, um, sort of the whole process and the legwork of it, you know, there's not very instant gratification to it. You know what I mean? It takes a lot of work and a lot of, you know, want. So I think that part of it is, you know, getting into that brick and mortar location and set up. It does take a lot, whether that be, you know, financial, you know, um, also, you know, time, uh, you know, sort of equity that you have to put into the business. But I think also sometimes people lack that follow through. You know, what I mean, people sometimes don't want it as much as they say that they do um, and are willing to put the work. And I won't quite say that it's all just, you know, front end, you know, issues or problems or just, you know, knowledge that, that stops people from doing it. So I, I think it's a mixture, though. But I think that is part of it. It's a big part of it. And look, um, so shop opens up. I'll, I'll ask you a question about that. And then I want to talk about what happened weeks after your grand opening. But what, what's going through your mind? What's going through your, what, what kind of emotions you're going through the day that you're opening up your shop? You're about to unlock the door. Now yeah. people are about to walk in and try your food. What's yeah. going through your mind? It was crazy, man. You know what I mean? Honestly, going through my mind was, uh, I just didn't feel we were too ready. I, uh, I was very excited because like, we kind of started to build some steam, you know, as we started to actually release a date, like people had kind of been waiting and we, we put up our sign probably a year and a half previous. We have a huge sign that sits on the corner of our slab there. It's kind of a slab that's shaped like a slice of pizza as well. So people had been seeing the sign for, you know, a year and just kind of understanding. So when we finally released the dates and stuff and we were getting, you know, even like a day out, like with RSVPs and things like that, it started going nuts. You know what I mean? Like 500 plus RSVPs, like wow. just like people just kind of, you know, like, uh, you know, reposting and putting it on their stories and stuff. So that's when it starts kind of get a little scared. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, there's some shoes to fill here, expectations sort of. Um, started to get some sort of news outlets a little bit behind it. Not too much, but just a little bit. So really was just very nervous, man. Like, you know, trying to put employees in there for the first time, and like trying to get the product perfect to be able to put out. And, um, you know, and we were just in such a rush to get open, man. We were like, 
we were on fumes on E on the finance end and everything. You had and to like, be open, yeah. We yeah. need to turn some profit here, man. We yeah. can't even pay rent this next coming month. Like <laughs> something's got to give here. So, um, you know, it, it, it was a lot of just like, you know, excitedness also to be bringing this product to the forefront. And, uh, you know, a lot of emotions wrapped up all in one. But I would still say just, you know, just really excited and uh, really kind of nervous at the same time. And then doors open, customers come in. Do you remember some of the first customers? How, you know... What went yeah. through your mind towards the end of the day? Towards the end of the day, it was just like, wow, it was just crazy. We had a line down the block. So it was just jamming, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, but I think by the time we got to the end of the day, it was like, all right, we need to make a few changes. <laughs> so um, really, it just kind of got into like schematics mode and like, you know, started trying to see with our operation, how we could be faster, what needed to change, you know, just kind of started kind of getting into the grind of it and, uh, you know, just trying to improve the business model. You know, and the reason why I'm asking this is because the best and most successful operators learn through action. They open yeah. the doors, they go through through that first day. It's not going to be perfect, but you learn through the customer feedback and you know sure. immediately where, where you need to improve. And too often I see people who are trying to plan for these things without opening and it's like no. you can never predict it no you know yeah we i mean we pretty much open the doors and just ship the dice you know what i mean we're looking for sevens <laughs> and yep. uh you know i would say from that point even till now the pizza didn't suck you know what i mean like and that's not a, a hard criticism of us saying that you know we weren't prying or making good pizza but you know there was just a, a really big learning curve on you know the style and the texture we wanted and you know we even from there, so before we, you know, opened, we tasted a lot of sauces. We, you know, kind of had our own recipe, created that, you know, sourced our cheeses, our dough, you know, everything and thought that we loved the product. And, you know, when we started putting it out to the marketplace, you know, we weren't feeling as great about it. So then we went back to the drawing board, you know, we changed up how we were sourcing our olive oil and where we were getting it from, getting our, you know, our, our garlic butter that we used. We started looking at different cheeses and looking at different blends and trying to improve the product. And we really started tasting other people's pizza. I would go to some of the best pizza shops in town and just study it. You know what I mean? I'd be like, huh, why, do, why do I like this? What is the consistency here of the cheese? What is the the flow of the sauce, what is the flavors or what are the hints that I'm picking up? What parts of, of this business model do I like? What parts of this business model don't I like? What can I learn here? And just started implementing, you know what I mean? And that's kind of when I started getting, getting exposed to, uh, some of the slice stuff that you guys were putting out. Uh, and then think kind of simultaneously, you guys reached out to us for, you know, starting to get added to you guys as a third party. And then just started, you know, just really immersing myself more in the New York style that we were trying to put out. Then started looking up some of the more famous spots and, uh, you know, wh what were they doing with their pepperonis? Like, you know, where are they getting from? I even, you know, went as far as I started looking at the cans at their shop. I started looking <laughs> at, at, at the products that they were ordering, the cheeses that they were ordering. I'm looking for little details like that. And I just continue to kind of implement them and I continue to, you know what I mean? And it continues to grow, to change, you know, what looks best here. Does wax paper look good under the cardboard plate? Does, you know, that's right. Uh, does the fucking tabletop look good on, on these orders? Like, you know what I mean? And just every detail continue to kind of improve it. Yeah. Every detail. And, you know, I'm going to turn the page because you, you built this thing, you put years of, of uh, hard work, lifetime of savings and, and experience. And then, Within a couple of weeks, there was a fire at your store. Obviously, did a lot of damage, especially to the to the you know brick and mortar to the to the front of the shop. But what happened? How did you recover? I know that there was a sense of community after, where people came together and and there was a big reaction and support. Walk me through that yeah. through that big big obstacle. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, that, that was pretty crazy because, you know, we have a small shop. So we have a outdoor freezer that sits on the side of the building. But we have sort of a uh, had sort of a uh, built up chest or sort of a, you know, a protective case around it that that went around the freezer. Because it was like a, like one of them old school ice ones, one of them huge ones. So when you open it, you're right in the freezer. So we had a, a outer chest that we locked up at night so people couldn't have access to it. So, um, you know, we got a call that morning. Um, like, yeah, just sliced pizza. There's been a fire. We're like, what? You know, we're kind of confused because we had just worked the shift last night. We were, we were, you know, got it closed down, had uh, checked it out in the morning. Somehow the fire happened around 8, 9 a.m. But we had seen the shop early in the morning around 7 a.m. Had some inventory we dropped off and left. So, um, you know, they're like, yeah, we've had a fire. We're like, what? You know, we were just there. Just think you got the wrong number. Like, you know what I mean? We look at our cameras and we see a flame just going, you know what wow. I mean? And um, it, was, it was pretty surreal because we're like, what in the hell or, or how, you know, start to sort of second guess ourselves. Like, you know, is it us? Uh, like, you know, not thinking that someone would set something on fire. You know what I mean? So we're immediately, but we're like, you know, we weren't cooking. The ovens aren't even on yet for the day. You know, we don't have any stoves because we, you know, are just using the ovens for cooking all of our, our products. So, you know, we fly over there. The firefighters are there. They're putting it out. Luckily, we have a, a firehouse one block away from us. Just wow. Like, wow. literally one block. Yep. So they got the call and, you know, obviously we're there within a minute. So they, um, you know, they put it out and it fried like one of our whole half walls, storage unit, the freezer, everything was ruined there. Uh, but the major blow was that it fried our electrical panel, which was right next to it on the side there. So, um, you know, had a huge hole in the wall. And uh, it, I mean, it was pretty surreal, man. Couldn't, couldn't believe it that and, and know, somebody said it off somebody said it yeah so that was sort of the couple things that as we were talking to the firefighters they're like uh yeah we sense foul play and you know to be honest you know firefighters i don't think they do too much research into it if it's like a large building or something or you know things of that nature uh that sort of are city importance maybe they do they bring out the fire inspector but general firefighters you know what i mean i think they just come put out fires they usually leave but you know, the fact that they were telling us that they sent foul play kind of told me over the top that there's 100% foul play. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they yeah. really wouldn't say it unless they were really inclined to because they're they're not really inclined to, you know, uh, make any assessments on how things start and, you know, like that. So, yeah, we were told that it, that it was set on fire. Now, how it was set, you know, we don't really know. And we never, we never really made any assumptions or anything. All we could say is the facts and the firefighters said that there was foul play. So that, you know, could have been a, maybe a cigarette throw. Yeah, that's a little far-fetched. Seemed a bit more... In intentional. Exactly. I was going to say, it seems, in, if you look at it from the outside in, us being the first black shop and kind of getting a lot of attention, bringing a lot of traffic to the neighborhood, it seemed intentional. And that's how we kind of took it. But, you know, from that, it was definitely a scary time and sort of a, a, a huge issue, but it sort of was a blessing in disguise. And it's sometimes just crazy how the universe works out. And that even though that was a negative energy that they sort of had for us or, you know, we're thinking that it benefited us because it gave us a, a sort of a moment to breathe. It gave you it gave you a, an opportunity to kind of reset a little bit. Uh, I guess did. that's a it silver did. lining. To kind of analyze it, take a little bit of time off, you know, sure up the employees, add some employees. And, you know, sort of couple with that, the community actually started to go fund me. You know what I mean? And it was a crazy reception, um, like crazy. And that's when I kind of saw the, the idea and just the business itself, you know what I mean, starting to grow in ways that I didn't think so fast. Uh, because I think, the, you know, they, they put it on there for like 25000 It was done in like a day. You know what I mean? Like wow. just super fast, like community turnout. And, you know, we weren't even expecting any help. You know, honestly, the way we just kind of view things and the way we've always moved, I was like, we never really got any help. 
You know what I mean? So it's something we just don't even think about. If we have a problem, we're thinking about how we're going to handle it. You know what I mean? So just the way that the community sort of bonded behind us when that happened, it really kind of put a rocket on things as well. It kind of propelled us and the business a bit more, to be honest. You know what I mean? Gave it a bit more attention uh, so that when we reopened, it was even crazier than our grand opening. And, you know, that kind of propelled some business relationships that we made with some other companies that ended up leading to our second spot and, you know, the opportunity there. And it kind of continues to harbor a bit with this company. It's a, a large sort of real estate company uh, because we're in talks possibly, you know, for a third. Yeah. Walk me through location number two. How did that come to be? So location number two actually came sort of coupled with the uh, pandemic, I'll say. And there's a spot here. It was called Giacchino's Pizza. They were open for a long time. They had a, a location, but we have um, in South Minneapolis it's called the Midtown Global Market. It's sort of a food hall that sits with uh, a really large hospital hub, but also with Alina Healthcare's corporate office yep. sits there, as well as some large real estate uh, condos and like a bunch of other general businesses. It's kind of like a, it's a food hall, but then it's just a lot of other businesses and retail sort of mixed in. So uh, anyways, the opportunity arose there that there was a pizza spot there that had went under sort of during the pandemic and went under to the, I don't know how bad the deal was, but they left a lot of equipment. I'll say that. <laughs> and um, you know what I mean? This place was looking to sort of reinvigorate themselves after uh, the pandemic weren't super interested in a second spot to start, um, you know, especially with it not being our own. We're kind of looking to kind of move a bit different and maybe own some of the locations that we're running our, our, our spots out of. So we weren't in a rush to it, but, you know, we were able to get some things worked out as far as the deal. And it was a great deal. You know, what I mean, something that we couldn't walk away from. Um, and, you know, it ended up working out to be our second spot. So it's in uh, the Midtown Global Market in South Minneapolis, um, and it's doing really well. It's getting crazy reception. The sort of morning lunch sort of crowd that we get from built in from like the hospitals and the um, and the corporate offices over there is crazy. You know what I mean? Like lines. And then, you know, we've kind of right now are establishing ourselves for a delivery in the area and really establishing that space and sort of infrastructure there in the area. And that's going well as well. So, I mean, it's Amazing. going really good. Congratulations. It's going really good. You know what I mean? What, what's the number one, uh, you know, challenge in, in running two shops at the same time? You know, I hear a lot about staffing being a challenge, being able to find and, and retain employees as one example. But what are some of the main challenges that you still face, especially now that you have two shops? Like what, what do you deal with? I would say staffing. Yeah. Staffing is always an issue. You know what I mean? Uh, just from the perspective of, you know, having great staff be there and having them aligned to sort of the same movement. Because, you know, there's just ups and downs, especially, you know, right now in the society, uh, you know, People go through a lot, you know what I mean? And they are sometimes hard to keep the team as one at all times and sort of keep it congruent and running, you know, at an efficient manner, especially at the pace we want to, you know, because we are sort of a high pace slice shop, you know what I mean, where we're selling a lot of slices. Um, so uh, I would say, you know, good staffing is probably the hardest aspect, but it's been going really well for us lately. You know, I mean, we got some good people in place and they've been with us for a few months now and or since the beginning. Um, and it's running a lot smoother, you know what I mean? To the point, you know, where we don't work in the business anymore um, like we were when we when we first started out. And, uh, you know, it continues to grow. But, it's you know, something you always have to manage 
that people, you know, miss work, miss staff or, you know, we've had some some low dynamics of people not getting along on certain shifts and things of that <laughs> nature, sort of power struggles and stuff like that. But really just trying to build that team cohesive environment. I'll say, you know, sort of is the hardest part and, you know, just keeping up with all the aspects of it, you know, the marketing yeah. side that we're doing, the mar- uh, the accounting side that we're doing, you know, I mean, sort of quality control that we're watching, but also trying to, you know, grow the business and we're sort of starting to really build our catering side because, you know, there's a huge catering space in pizza where a lot of, you know, entities and businesses order pizza for their catered events and, you know, school districts that we've been connecting to. So still trying to grow that space, but keep the shop quality and things of the same. So just kind of holding all those hats, I'll say it's kind of the hardest part. You know, it's hard doing it at one business. So with two, you you know, you're wearing double the ones for all of it. But at the same time, you know, learning with it and then getting better and better. What would you say is your signature item? What's your most popular, popular food item? <laughs> Honestly, if you look at the numbers, pepperoni pizza. You know what I mean? Like pepperoni pizza. A Got slice it. of pepperoni and a pepperoni pizza. There's nothing out selling that in a shop. And, you know, honestly, unless you're just like a specialized shop, that's probably across the board that, you know, nothing's really outselling that. Unless you're, like I said, a specialized shop that has a bunch of specialty slices and you consider yourself maybe like an artisan type shop or something. But that's not really us. We don't really change it up too much. You know what I mean? We keep a limited menu and it's sort of like, you know, we like to try to offer like a good classic style pizza. And if you're looking for, you know, the crazy, you know, barbecue chicken, this in different bases, it's probably not us. You know what I mean? But uh, number one thing that's ordered, I'll say, slice of pepperoni. Pepperoni slice. I'll say our meats pizza, which has uh, bacon, sausage, pepperoni, and chicken on it. It's probably a close second. Uh, That one goes crazy. Getting hungry, man. Getting getting hungry. For sure. You know when you walk inside a pizzeria, you have like a a celebrity wall where all the different celebrities, you have a picture and it's like the wall is full (laughs) of those pictures. Who's who's the most famous customer of Slice so far? Oh, wow. That's a tough question. I would say probably. Lately, we just had her come through. She got voted on. Her name's uh, Ilman Omar. She's like sort of famous congresswoman. Uh, She's um, sort of famous and kind of runs with uh i believe her name is uh aoc aoc yeah. is from new york but That's it's right. like her and then she's muslim she's from minnesota ilman omar is and then there's another woman who's a black congresswoman and they they kind of are on the forefront uh i say she just came by that was kind of big you know for us for in our, in our state and representation but other than that i'd probably say carl anthony towns yeah probably a timberwolves player we catered one of their events so somebody on their team that's amazing are you, are you building that wall of uh wall of fame uh, a little bit, a little bit when, <laughs> when we get them in. Yeah, we're adding, you know, it takes some time to kind of get it up there and get our prestige. But we've had like the mayor come by, a few other people. So, you know, we're we're getting it there. You know what I, I mean? As that. we continue to sort of build our name and sort of, uh, you know, build out our, our sort of uh, infrastructure about how people know about us and everything, uh, it'll get there, you know. Because a lot of times you see some of those shops with those infamous walls, they got pictures from like 1980, dude. They got like pictures exactly. from like, you know, like 30, 40 years worth of time. So, you know, once we reach that point and sort of that level of prestige, uh, you, you know, the wall the wall will match. You will. And speaking of community, I mean, you guys are doing some amazing work, giving back to the community, donating pizzas to schools. I know you're specifically delivering to some probably neglected or ignored uh, specific black neighborhoods. For sure. Tell me more about the community work that you guys are are really excited about. Yeah. So, I mean, we just tried to really align ourselves and just try to stay true to our roots. Um, you know, both me and Adam, you know, grew up in the inner city. 
uh, went to like city schools and uh, sort of, you know, have moved past certain barriers and certain, uh, we'll even say, you know, levels that, you know, a lot of people aren't making from our same background or from, you know, our same uh, upbringing. So we try just to, you know, keep it old to that and continue to, you know, give back we can, but also use our platform and, you know, make sure that, you know, pizza is our first thing that we're selling, but we're also, you know, a black owned business. And we want to put that uh, as a part of not just our business model, but, you know, a part of our platform too, and not be afraid to, you know, stand up for things like that and, you know, speak on things. So I think sort of a first big movement we did, there was a huge teacher strike. The teachers union was on strike here in Minneapolis. So, you know, public schools were like shut down because all the teachers were on strike. So, you know, us being public school products and, you know, um, me, myself, even had worked in the schools when I first got out of college. We were like, you know, how can we support? What could we do? You know, we weren't going to be out there on the front line necessarily, <laughs> uh, you know, protesting. We we're like, hey, you know, teachers want to come by. We got free pizza, free slices for any teachers that are on strike. And, um, you know, that's just something we thought we can do. We figured it would be a few slices of cheese. You know, this is our support. It ended up sort of going viral within the teachers union. And they kind of like had a lot of solitude behind us for us standing with them. But, you know, I so like, you know, if you do good, it comes back in turn. It's like now we have a ton of Minneapolis public school contracts that we do pizzas for and things. And, you know, Amazing. it was just sort of an organic connection. Um, but that's kind of like, you know, how we're operating the business. We just don't want to be, uh, you know, too corporate where we feel like we can't say or express what we feel is right or do or, you know, what we feel is right. So I think, you know, from that and even just delivering to, you know, black neighborhoods, you know, we looked at a lot of the pizza areas and it was that they were purposefully cutting out these areas. Like, you know, if we say three miles, we'll go three miles in any direction. We're not just going to go three miles to the right or to the left and say no miles this way because this is a predominantly African-American or minority neighborhood. So, you know, when we saw that, we thought it was not right. So we spoke about it. You know what I mean? We just said, hey, we for the black neighborhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, I think that there's more of a corporate ode where people don't speak on things like that because just from us saying that, and we weren't trying to make it, you know, a huge political movement or, you know, we weren't really coming out like, hey, everybody, look at this. You know, we were just kind of like, hey, this is weird. We'll deliver there. We ended up getting a lot of support behind it. You know what I mean? And a lot of people took note of it. And I think that, you know, we just kind of continue to try to do what's right, you know, personally and with the business. And I think there's some attraction to that, that we kind of get from other businesses and from our patrons uh, that become our customers that, you know, they, they align with that too. So, you know, I don't think we have a huge community, like engagement plan or, you know, anything that we're rolling out, but we're just trying to, you know, make the right decisions with the business and just speak on things that we feel are right. Yeah. Look, I, I love that because I'm fortunate to, to meet a lot of operators like you, from different backgrounds, different geographies. And the one constant theme of the most successful operators is they do what they believe in. They follow yeah. their own, you know, vision or their own heart. And, you know, not because that's what they're expected to do, not because that's what you're supposed to do, but it's just because what you believe in. And usually that is, I would say, the most common denominator for a formula for success, not only in, in this industry, but I think just in general in life. So yeah. I think for that reason, it's just, uh, I, I really admire that. In terms of, you know, scaling your business, you know, I want to get a little bit more practical. What are some solutions that have really helped you become a successful pizza shop that you could share perhaps with uh, with the audience who either, again, is aspiring to open up a location or, or is running a location today? Yeah, I think it sort of maybe really turned a, a corner when we 
really started calculating and understanding our exact cost. You know what I mean? Like we really started understanding what a slice of pizza cost. How can we control those models with the exact the same amount of cheese on, on every pizza? with the same amount of sauce and how can we control our costs to really be able to tangibly say, here's what I'm spending, here's what I'm earning and be able to sort of build a model on that and sort of grow from that and say, hey, okay, even based on our numbers, this is what we could be looking at. How can we improve on these areas? How can we improve during these timeframes? So I think that once we sort of got down to the analytics and started really understanding our costs, that helped us really start understanding what we needed to do. (laughs) Like when is our cost upside down? When are we not making money? When is this... What you should charge. Equitable tune. Yeah. When are we not charging, uh, you know, or or how are are we not charging enough? So I think that that's a really important aspect. When we came in, we had a sort of a rough thought (laughs) of what a a whole pizza was was costing us, but we didn't really understand. We didn't really know. You know, we were hand throwing the cheese on there. We weren't really uh, measuring, you know what I mean? And um, keeping that sort of consistent and it was showing because there was inconsistency in our pizza but at the same time with inconsistency in our costs because they were you know continuing to change one day we use 10 bags of cheese next day we use 15 so i think that was a huge aspect for us uh, i mean that's an, an amazing an amazing tip by the way basing things based on you know how much cheese you can grab with your hand and and just kind of yeah. winking it it's kind of yeah. how how 95 of pizza shops still operate today so I yeah. think that's a yeah. that's a that's an important point. When you look forward five years from now, what is uh, what is Slice up to? You know, what is your vision? Is it 30, 40 locations, or is it five really solid locations specifically focused on Minneapolis or or the Twin Cities? What's the vision like? Let's fast forward. Yeah, if I had to fast forward, it's definitely growth at this time. You know, I think I think we we haven't reinvented the wheel, but I think we have a really good model. And I think it's sort of a fresh model, but I think that it could also uh, be scalable. And I think it's a very interesting model to a lot of people. We've been getting a lot of interest in people sort of reaching out to us, even some banks looking to be our friends all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, we feel that, you know, growth is that. If I have to say 40 locations, I, I don't know if I'm aiming there, but I could definitely <laughs> see us around 10 or so with us still putting out a good product. I think that that's like number one, that we want to do good pizza. I don't ever want to go too corporate where it's like the McDonald's of pizza and it's not like our aim at all. You know what I mean? Even though that would be a great, great, um, <laughs> a great, great end goal yeah. and a great outcome for sure. You know what I mean? But that's not, that's not our plan. Um, but uh, we do feel and see that scaling, uh, you know, in our future is there. Amazing. Look, I wish you all the best. By the way, just for context, we have a team of about 900 people. Happy to help and support you in any way we can. Yeah. Our team is your team for anything that you may need along the journey. But uh, this was really inspiring, man. It's uh, it's an amazing story, and yeah, keep keep going. And hopefully, yeah. when I'm in uh, when I'm in the area, I'll come by for uh, for a pepperoni slice. Yeah, definitely do, definitely do, man. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you're in the area, and you know, hopefully we can align again. You know, you never know how you know growth and opportunity will come together. And uh, we appreciate the time having us, you know, on here to tell our story and to, you know just kind of continue to build, uh, you know, our name and our platform. Awesome, man. Thank you again. All right, appreciate it, guys. <laughs>